Have you ever felt like God didn't love you? Maybe that he was angry with you or wouldn't forgive you. Grace and forgiveness are at the heart of our Christian faith. But then, why is it so difficult to grasp and apply it in our own lives? Hi, I'm Charles Morris. This is the Great Stories Podcast. And in a few minutes, I want you to hear a conversation I had several years ago with a pastor who hit a brick wall, but Christ broke through and came to his rescue. His name is Milton Vincent. He's the pastor of Cornerstone Fellowship Bible Church. It's in Riverside, California, not too many minutes from the Haven Studios. I preached in its church. Our executive producers preached in its church. We've even been to Israel together. But I want you to hear this interview because it's so important for all of us to learn how to preach the gospel to ourselves. And it's Milton's book, A Gospel Primer for Christians, that helps us along in this interview. I know it's a conversation you won't want to miss. Welcome to Haven Today. We're starting a brand new week. And all week, we're going to be talking about preaching the gospel to yourself. Have you heard that line used before? We use it on this program quite a bit. And I want to welcome for the very first time to this program a good friend of mine. He's a pastor. Uh, We've been to Israel together. I preached in his church. Our executive producer has preached in his church. He's taught Hebrew, had a seminary, and uh, he's pastored for a number of years. Reverend Milton Vincent, welcome for the first time to Haven today. Well, thank you, Charles. It's good to be with you. It's good to finally convince you to come in and talk about something I've been asking you to talk about for a few years, but it does fit into this concept of preaching the gospel to yourself. Your church is just a few miles from our office and studio where we're broadcasting from right now. Milton, let's go to the back of a little book you wrote. The book is called A Gospel Primer. I love the subtitle, Learning to See the glories of God's love. Now, you've been pastoring for, I don't know, what, 25 years, maybe? 20 years? 21. 21 years. That's right. You're a little younger than I am. Uh-huh. About 10 years ago, the Lord was just working on you, but you were really in need of the Lord working on you. Mm-hmm. So even though you saved it to the end of your book, let's bring it to the beginning. What was happening in your life as a minister of the gospel? You know, I grew up in a Christian home, uh, sitting under the teaching of of God's Word, memorized a lot of Scripture growing up. Mm -hmm. Parents who really loved the Lord and and loved the Gospel. And I made a number of professions of faith growing up. My first one when I was four and a half, and then Mm -hmm. my freshman year of high school. Like, I got baptized after (laughs) I made my profession of faith at four and a half. And and then at my freshman year in high school. Round two. Round two. And, um, like, I knew how to get saved. And that is, you see that you're a sinner. You cry out to God for salvation, trusting in what he did for you through Christ at the cross and raising him from the dead. And I just couldn't figure out the mechanics of how to stay in the good favor of God. It was always tied to my performance. And so I would have... You had to be a good Christian. Yeah. To be a Christian. Yeah. Or that was your calling, I guess, you thought. Yeah. And so I would have spells where I would uh, redouble my efforts and, and really try to please God and stay in his favor. But those periods 
generally wouldn't last very long because I would I would end up finding myself so obsessive over all the details of you know have I sinned and if I have I think God is angry with me and so I've got to I've got to somehow get myself back into his good favor and usually after a period of time like that I would just kind of collapse spiritually in exhaustion I do believe that that I was saved mm-hmm. um, but I I would believe in his grace to to get saved but again in terms of understanding how to stay in his good favor I just wasn't understanding how that was supposed to work and I actually found that I was most irritable when I was trying to stay in the good favor of God when I was really trying to please him and do right that I, I had to consume so much of my energy with with staying his in his good favor that I just had little energy for anything else. Milton, let's move ahead here. You went to a Christian institution for your undergraduate degree. You went to a seminary. Uh, you showed great promise uh, with Hebrew. They even asked you to stay on and teach it. You did. And then you started pastoring, mm-hmm. and you started doing funerals and weddings, and you started leading other people to know Christ as Savior, and, and the Lord blessed your ministry. But what happened about 10 or so years ago? Mm-hmm. Around that time, I was in a season of renewal, just really pursuing the Lord, and, and I could see evidence of, of great fruit in my life, and God was growing, growing me. But that same wearisome agitation started uh, encroaching again that I had experienced all of my life. And I found myself growing increasingly obsessive over, you know, is God favorably disposed towards me or not? Hmm. And I remember I was driving home from work uh, one day. This would have been in April of, I think, two thousand or 2001. And uh, my mind came back to the Lord after I had allowed my mind to wander for about 10 minutes. And I was like instantly concerned, like, what, well, what have I been thinking about in the last 10 minutes? And have I been thinking anything sinful? Because if I have, then God's going to be upset with me. Or maybe I wasn't thinking on something sinful, but maybe God is upset with me because I wasn't thinking about him. Mm. And so I'm I'm sort of wincing under the Lord's gaze as I'm driving home in my car, and I'm just asking, Lord, are we okay? And searching my memory over the previous 10 minutes. And it was at that point that I just felt overwhelmed with exhaustion. It's like mm. I can't live my life obsessing over uh, trying to stay in the good favor of God in this way. And I felt this manic urge to just, you know what, forget this whole thing. I got home from work that day. My family wasn't wasn't home. And so I just grabbed my Bible and I opened my Bible to Romans 5. Mm. And I'm not even sure what led me to that passage, but I, I'm grateful that God led me there. But I, I was in the house by myself and I just began reading Romans 5 out loud as I mm. paced the floor in my living room. And as I was reading those verses, especially the first 11 verses of Romans 5, I started to see something that I hadn't seen before. And what I began to see is, wait a minute, I am in the good favor of God all day, every day, good days and bad days, waking or sleeping, solely based on the performance of Jesus and his righteousness and not mine. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm looking at Paul as he's just 
raving over his justification, this favored status that he enjoyed under God's grace. And I'm thinking, man, I'm, I'm agitating over my status before God, and Paul is resting. But something began to get a hold of my heart uh, on that occasion. And the spirit of rest that it brought over me. I mean, what I realized is, wait a minute, I would have never said it this way, but all my life I've technically been obsessing over my justification, <laughs> and I'm now realizing OCD at work there. I totally, yes, totally. Yes. But now, Spiritual. Romans five is telling me Christ has already obsessed over that for me, and this is mine, and it's for free, and I don't deserve it, but I am under God's favor at all times, solely because of Jesus Christ and what he has done for me. And now God calls me to rest in Mm. that. And so I Mm. would say 11 years ago is when I first kind of turned a corner and started the process. I'm still learning. Sure. Started the process of like learning to really rest in the reality of my justification. Mm. If you just joined us, uh, you're listening to Haven Today. I'm Charles Morris. A friend of mine, Milton Vincent, who's a pastor, is on with us, and he's the author of a book, A Gospel Primer for Christians, Learning to See the Glories of God's Love. You know, we have a lot of people listening to this program, Milton, who uh, are driving, and they're trying to think Romans 5, Romans 5. Do you mind just sharing that right now with our listeners to just let us know, here was that passage that the Spirit of the living God used in your life 10 years ago to break into your life in a whole new way. Yeah, I'd be happy to. Uh, Romans 5, beginning in verse 1, Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom also we have obtained our introduction by faith into this grace in which we stand, and we exult in hope Mm. of the glory of God. Mm. And not only this, but we also exult in our tribulations, knowing that tribulation brings about perseverance, and perseverance proven character, and proven character hope. And hope does not disappoint, because the love of God has been poured out within our hearts through the Holy Spirit who was given to us. For while we were still helpless, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. For one will hardly die for a righteous man though perhaps for the good man someone would dare even to die. But God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Hmm. Much more then, having now been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from the wrath of God through him. For if, while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his Son, Much more, having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. And not only this, but we also exult in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received the reconciliation. Mm. Those are awesome verses. Romans 5, the word of the Lord, hopefully to all of us today. You know, Milton, we prayed before we went on the air that the Lord would just reach into the hearts of ourselves and listeners and that his word would be made alive. If 
few weeks ago before I picked up the phone and said, Milton, you finally have to be on the program. The Lord led me mm-hmm. in, in a similar season of just uncertainty, of doubting, of feeling the weight of ministry, of uh, how am I going to get through this, Lord? Mm-hmm. Lord, I can't seem to make it. Uh, and this had gone on for days. It was Romans 5 Mm. where the Spirit of the Lord led me and ministered Mm. to me. Let me just throw out here a question. You talked earlier about, uh, you know, when you were 4 or 5 and then again when you were 10 or 12 and then when you were a junior in high school. Uh, We've Many of us have grown up in this Christian world that here, just read this sinner's prayer, pray this prayer. If you pray that, boom, you're in. Mm -hmm. You don't have to worry about anything. And then, as you've told us, you were working so hard to live the Christian life and you just couldn't do it. Mm. What is the gospel? Is the gospel just some words printed on a little prayer that if I mouth those words, I'm, I'm in? I don't have to worry any longer? Yeah, well, the gospel is big. It's huge. And it includes all that is true of us uh, now that we believed in Christ. But kind of in a nutshell, the gospel is the good news, the fantastically good news of salvation for hell-deserving sinners through the person and the work of Jesus Christ. It's not a message of uh, where God comes to us and says, here's how to live your life. Here's the rules you need to live by. And if you do this, you can get to heaven. You mm. can earn your way to a relationship with me. The gospel is the stunningly good news of what God has done for us through Christ. Christ came into the world, lived the life we failed to live, Mm. died the death that we deserve to die, Mm -hmm. and was buried in the tomb. And on the third day, God raised him from the dead. And in raising him from the dead, God was thereby announcing that the death of Christ is totally sufficient to atone for every single sin that Milton Vincent ever has or mm. ever will commit throughout his lifetime. The, the resurrection of Christ is my receipt that validates the claim that he, through his death, has truly atoned for all of my sin. And at the cross, he bore the wrath of God that I deserved, where now I don't have to, I don't have to bear that anymore. But anyway, God raised him from the dead and ascended him to his own right hand, where Jesus now has absolute and total lordship. He can do whatever he pleases. And from that position of lordship, being able to do whatever he wants, what's he doing? He is giving out freedom Mm -hmm. and forgiveness and relationship uh, and righteousness. Even now, present tense in heaven to his children. Yeah, all of those things. And he's giving out righteousness, perfect righteousness to anybody who sees their bankruptcy, their inability to save themselves, and who look at Jesus and his righteousness and say, that is the Savior Mm. for me. And Mm. Jesus Christ just unloads those gifts of freedom, relationship, righteousness, and forgiveness, uh, and life upon all those who trust in him in that way. Mm. Once we've kind of discovered that grace is more than just praying some words on a little sheet of paper, Uh, That's not it. But how do we live this Christian life in Christ? How do we do it? Well, what I found was as as powerful of a moment as that was a decade ago in my house, you know, reading Romans 5, I noticed that like the next day, I found myself slipping back into a performance mentality. 
to where the focus was back on me and trying to maintain or regain God's mm-hmm. favor. And so I just I, I started reading Romans 5 daily, uh, several times a day, just reminding myself of the fact that this is all of Jesus and it's I'm under God's favor at all times because of Christ and his righteousness that I'm now clothed with. And it has nothing to do with mm-hmm. my performance. On my good days and on my bad days, it's all about Jesus. And so I found that I had to remind myself of that many times a day because it was easy for me to get out of gospel mode and to slip back into a performance mentality with God. But here's the deal, Charles. As I was keeping that doctrine, just the reality of God's grace, having justified me in front of my face, I found like an incredible rest that had always eluded me before. And I found myself having enormous amounts of energy now to Mm. put into Mm. growing in holiness and ministering God's grace to other people. I had never had that much energy for ministry before because so much of my energy was consumed with tending to my status before God. Mm. But now I realize I don't have to worry about that anymore. I'm under God's favor at all times because of his grace. And so that's settled. That's taken care of. Jesus has taken care of that. Now I could just live in the good of this grace, enjoy it, and put my energies now into ministering this grace to other people and growing in deeper understanding of his grace. And I'll tell you one thing I like saying to myself mm-hmm. during this time, because I here's what I notice. As I just stayed focused on his grace, that I am accepted in Christ solely because of Jesus and what he has done and his righteousness... I found myself starting to change, mm. and I wasn't even trying. I, I would catch myself making right choices, and I'm like, man, how did this, how did this happen? Mm-hmm. Well, obviously, it was God's Spirit at work, but it was Him working through the grace that was mine in Christ as I stayed focused on that. And one of the things I love doing uh, is sometimes I'd be faced with a temptation that may have previously stumbled me. And I would look at that temptation and I would say to myself, you know what? I could commit this sin and God's grace would abound to me all the more as he graciously maintains my justified status. Mm. But it's precisely for this reason that I choose not to commit this sin. Mm. And I would turn and walk away from sin with laughter in my heart. Mm. And that that was a mystery to me at first, but I came to understand, even looking at Romans 5, that though justification is a once and for all act that happens at the moment of salvation, a continuous focus upon and celebration of this fact is a key to sanctification. It's part of the fuel for sanctification or growing in Mm -hmm, in holiness. mm -hmm. The average Christian thinks that the gospel is received once, but what I hear you saying is that the gospel isn't over with once we've met Christ. This book that you've put out, A Gospel Primer, half of it is not your words. Mm -hmm. It's it's God's words, Mm -hmm. God speaking to you. That's really what I think I hear you saying God used and is using to keep growing you in the faith. I think one of the big mistakes that we've made in the church today, and I'm as guilty as anybody, is we think that the gospel is just for non-believers. 
and we'll evangelize people up until the moment that they get saved or believe in Christ. And then we stop evangelizing them. But like how much of the gospel did you understand, did I understand on the day of our conversion? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Of all that is true inside the gospel and all of its ramifications, what did we understand? Maybe 1% of all of that? So even on the day of one's conversion, there's still a whole lot of evangelizing Mm -hmm. that's needed. That's why in Romans 1, Paul says to the Roman Christians, he says, I'm eager to come to Rome. I'm eager to evangelize you who are at Rome. He's talking to Christians there. Mm -hmm. He says, I can't wait to come to Rome to evangelize you. Well, he can't go to Rome. So what does he do? He writes the book of Romans. And what is the book of Romans but the fullest explanation of the glories and the grace of the gospel that we find anywhere in the New Testament. And it was all delivered to Christians. And it's more than a book of theology. That's right. Certainly rich, deep explanation of theology. If you just joined us, you're listening to Haven Today. I'm Charles Morris. Uh, We have a pastor on with us, a friend of mine, Milton Vincent. And uh, he's the author of a book called A Gospel Primer that uh, is written for Christians. Milton, a few moments ago, you mentioned the word evangelism, which reminds me of something that you and I have spoken of before, uh, and that's Pilgrim's Progress, written by the great Baptist preacher who was a tinkerer. I'm not sure what a tinker was, you know, several hundred years ago, but he was. But he wrote Pilgrim's Progress, and you told me that story. Do you mind sharing that story or or, or even just reading a little bit out of Pilgrim's Progress with sure. us? Yeah, one of, you know, when you read of Christian's pilgrimage, there's two occasions prior to Christian coming to the cross where Christian he, is the main character. Yes. And evangelist is a character in the story that approaches Christian on two occasions prior to Christian reaching the cross and having the burden, you know, rolled Lifted. off of his back. Mm-hmm. But what's interesting, and no one's really surprised at that, that's the role of an evangelist to point people to the cross uh, for them to become converted and have their sins forgiven. But what's interesting is that later in the story, long after Christian has been saved and had the burden rolled off his back, evangelist shows up again Mm. uh, and plays a continuing role in Christian's life. In the narrative, Christian and Faithful are about to enter into the city of Vanity Fair. Mm-hmm. And as they're about to approach that city, they, they notice somebody walking towards them, and it's Evangelist. So and, they get excited. They haven't seen him yeah. in a while. And so listen to this. It says, Faithful recognized him and said, Oh, look who's coming yonder, brother. Then Christian looked and exclaimed, It's my good friend, Evangelist. Yes, said Faithful, and my good friend too. He's the one who set me in the pathway to the gate. By that time, Evangelist had caught up with them and greeted them, saying, Peace be with you, dearly beloved. Welcome, welcome, good Evangelist, said Christian, and welcome a thousand times over, said Faithful. Dear Evangelist, your companionship is so desirable to us poor pilgrims. Hmm. It's interesting they respond that way rather than, what are you doing here? We're already saved. We don't need an evangelist in our life. They welcomed him. They wanted him to stay. 
And totally. his message was evangelism. Yeah, he, he spoke to them good news. These are just excerpts. This is not everything he said. But as evangelist speaks to them, he says, you've been champions. So he's celebrating the good that mm-hmm. has been in their life through Christ. Uh, you've been champions. You will reap a harvest if you do not give up. The crown is in front of you, and it is one that will last forever. You're not out of gunshot range of the devil. Let nothing of the world get inside of you. Set your face like stone. You have all power of heaven and earth on your side. Mm. You'll notice just in that excerpt, he's speaking to them truths, things that are true of them in Christ. He's evangelizing them with the power that they have, the crown that's in front of them, the harvest that awaits them, and even the evidence of grace in their life as they have demonstrated themselves to be champions. It says, Then Christian thanked him for his words of encouragement, but told him that they nevertheless wanted him to speak more to them for their edification the rest of the way, and Mm -hmm. preferably tell them of things that might happen to them and how they might resist and overcome them. Mm. I think Bunyan inserted that into the narrative to demonstrate a point that I think we often miss, and that is on the other side of conversion, we still need evangelists in our lives. And to have the companionship of brothers who can speak the gospel Mm -hmm. and affirm us in the gospel and take us deeper into an understanding of the gospel that's something we all need, and it's something we all would want to be towards each other. Mm. How, again, does that work its way out into my life? Right. How does that, how does that help my marriage? Well, uh, we could take a whole week on, on gospel we'll applications. Have, we'll, we'll have you back. That's all right. <laughs> but go ahead. Give it a shot right now. No, you think about it, Charles. If, if I'm really soaking in God's grace and I'm in awe over this this forgiveness that he's given to me. Like Paul, man, I have this, I'm, I'm under God's grace and I've been justified. And then in Romans 5, 1 through 11, at different points, he says, we exalt, we exalt, we exalt. Three times mm. he says that. Mm. So if you're really soaking in that and exulting and rejoicing in that, in God's forgiving grace that he's given to you, you're now prepared to handle when your wife or anyone else lets you down as we're living in the good of God's grace and we realize, you know, I am a sinner. I killed Jesus. My, my sins uh, were the instruments by which he was crushed and pierced and killed. And yet at that spot where my worst deed was committed, God moved toward me with grace mm-hmm. and forgiveness. And now this other person is wronging me or disappointing me. Their wrong against me is nowhere near my wrong against God. And if God has lavished his grace upon me, then how can I withhold grace from someone Mm. who may owe me a lesser debt Mm. or who has offended me in a far lesser way than how I offended God? Mm. So as we're enjoying his love toward us and walking in the fullness of that love, our hearts are being filled up. And from the overflow of that, we have love, we have grace, we have forgiveness to give to other people in our life. Mm. I got to tell you, when I have been angry at my wife, when I have let her down, and when she has pointed it out to me, and it makes me even madder, it's just an opportune time for the gospel to break in Mm. and for me to realize who the sinner is in the picture. Mm. And 
I'm in great need of forgiveness one more time. And this, this, what we're talking about, it works its way out into raising our kids too, doesn't it? Yeah, as we, as we raise our children, um, we observe sin and brokenness in them. But we have an opportunity to come alongside of them as a brother or a sister and say, you know what, you have brokenness in, in you and so does dad, so does mom. Uh, but it's okay to look at that. It's okay to admit that because we're safe in the love of Jesus. Mm-hmm. And in his embrace, Charles, I mean, as Christians, we of all people should have the most courage mm-hmm. to look honestly and squarely at our sin mm-hmm. and at our failure because we know we're loved. So we don't have to hide in fear. We don't have to try to run ahead of our sin and try to excuse it or relabel it. No, we can look at it with raw honesty, knowing that we're safe in the Father's embrace and we're loved Mm -hmm. and we're accepted. He already knows the worst that there is to know Mm -hmm. about us. And yet, with full knowledge of us, he has moved towards us with love, forgiveness, and grace in Jesus. And Mm -hmm. that gives us liberty and it gives us the courage to look honestly at our brokenness and our sin. Mm Milton Vinson, our special guest here on Haven Today, would you mind leading us in prayer that those of us who've even been in the faith for many years could taste the gospel, could understand it in a whole new way? Mm. I'd love to do that. Let's pray. I pray, Lord, that you would just take our eyes off of ourselves and our own performance and that you would teach us to look to Jesus and realize that it is all about him and what you have done for us through him, that we would be quite taken by his righteousness, how utterly flawless his righteousness is, and that we are draped in his righteousness, and that we are under your favor all day, every day, good days and bad days, waking or sleeping, solely because of the performance of Jesus and and not ours. Lord, open our hearts to really let that in and to believe that, to live and to walk in the good of that, to experience the life-transforming power of believing that, and that we then from the overflow of this experience of your grace would have much grace to give to others. May this awareness of your grace make us radically humble radically broken, radically forgiving, radically loving as we seek to serve other people and be a living embodiment Mm. of this amazing grace that you have given to us in Christ. Mm. For any in this audience, Lord, that have no rest in their spirits uh, and their eyes are upon themselves and how they're performing, Lord, liberate them. Turn their eyes to you and may they find the rest that can only be found in Jesus. Mm. And if there's anyone listening who has never put their trust in, in Christ, I pray that you would touch their hearts and that they would see the attractiveness of Jesus and look at him and say, I am done being my own savior. He is the savior for me. In Christ's name, amen. Amen. Milton Vincent, a pastor and a friend and a brother in Christ, thank you so much for joining us here on Haven today. Well, thank you, Charles. 
Thank you for joining us on Great Stories with Charles Morris. And I'm so glad Milton Vincent was able to join me 10 years ago so I can share it again with you today. But my question to you is this, are you convinced? Will you begin preaching the gospel to yourself every day? I hope you will. Why not start today? And if you want to hear more content like you heard on today's episode, why don't you subscribe wherever you get your podcasts? And if you enjoyed this episode, please help us get the word out by leaving a five-star review. You can also go to haventoday.org and sign up for our weekly email and discover additional episodes posted on our blog. And as always, thank you for joining me once again on Great Stories with Charles Morris. Thank you.